Hey, what's going on, y'all? This is Kelly Clarkson. Welcome to Miss Into Podcast, the Kelly Clarkson fan podcast. The very first podcast dedicated to the original idol, Kelly Clarkson. Here are your hosts, Jeremy and Pam. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of Miss Into Podcast, the Kelly Clarkson fan podcast. I'm Jeremy. And my name is Pam. And today we are doing an episode that is going to be surrounding what we are calling the hits and misses of each era. So our hot takes on what we think went right with each era and what we think could have changed. Yes, there is a whole lot of information over the last 20 years of Kelly's career. And so that's why we are bringing in a couple of very well thought out Kelly fans. First and foremost, our fashion correspondent, Rob, is going to be joining us as well as a returning guest, Kyle, who you might remember from one of our first ever My Kelly Experience episodes. We're going to be breaking down each and every album era in depth, so far in depth, Pam, in fact, that we're going to be trying something a little different this week on the podcast. We are breaking this episode into two parts because it is just so much ground to cover that we don't want to try to do it all in one big episode because I think that's a lot to ask people to sit and listen to an entire two-plus-hour episode all at once. So we're going to break this one up this week. You're getting the first episode on the regular release day, and then later this week we are going to put out part two where we get to the latter half of Kelly's career thus far. Pam, before we get started today, real quick, we need to discuss a couple of things that have popped up in the Kelly world this past week. First and foremost, she did an interview on the red carpet alongside Snoop Dogg, which still is weird for me to say out loud, uh, during uh, the most recent episode of American Song Contest. And she was asked about you know what her future plans are. And she kind of happened to drop a little bit of a nugget of news in that she is going to have the entire summer off and she's planning on spending it up in Montana. Montana was the last place I was expecting her to say, honestly, just with this whole drama that's been going on. But Mm -hmm. I'm happy. She said it's like the first summer since she was like a teenager that she's had off, which is kind of ridiculous to, to, to think about. But she does summer tours constantly, and in later years when she hasn't been doing summer tours, she's been prepping for The Voice or prepping for her talk show. So it makes sense that, wow, maybe this really is the first year in decades, and I'm happy for her. I know a lot of people were like, boo, we want a new music this summer. It's like, let the girl sleep for a minute. Yeah. Um, Like, I'm antsy for new music, don't get me wrong, but I'm very happy for her that she gets time off because time off is wonderful. Oh my gosh, like burnout sucks. I'm sure a lot of us have experienced burnout from school or work or whatever. And when you actually do get a, a minute to just breathe, it's the best. So I'm, I'm, I support this. Yeah. And I think this is our sort of first confirmation that the new album is either not finished or it is definitely not coming out uh, anytime soon. Uh, it looks like it's going to happen in the fall, uh, which is not terrible. It's a big time for albums to come out. Uh, It's a big time, especially when uh, people start to think early on about Grammy voting. I don't know if that's a motivating factor. I'm just, I'm speculating. Uh, But it does seem like, you know, it's going to be all things quiet on the Kelly news front for a few months at least. Now, when she says that she's taking the summer off, 
some, we've we've learned in the past to be very cautious when Kelly deals in measurements of time because when she says the summer, people might instantly think, okay, three months, three months, and she's going to be sober. No, no, she's going to be gone. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but she might say summer and mean just like the hiatus time, like just July. It might actually. Like- it might be, you know, a month and a half. It might be two months. It might not be nearly as long as we might think it is. Uh, but suffice it to say, it looks like we're going to be coming into sort of a, a, a dead zone where there's going to be no Kelly news. She's not going to be appearing daily with any new content of any kind. Uh, we may not even be seeing much of her on social media. It's it's so going to be I'm, like how it was for a good chunk of her career, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like it's not exactly. anything we're not used to. It's just it's yeah. it's been a while. So for those of you who had uh, Kelly Clarkson's latest album coming out in the fall on your bingo card, you might be in better shape than for those of us uh, who thought maybe the spring or the summer. Uh, Pam, the other bit of news that came out, you kind of shared this with me because this completely flew under my radar, is that there is a rumor out there about a legacy hits collection. Can you please expound on this? So there's some rumor going around that there's going to be some sort of like greatest hits album a legacy album where kelly's gonna be doing like a a la taylor swift re-recording her old songs like kelly's version and that um i'm just reading this this tweet right now uh that there might be a new studio album next year and then while re-promoting the christmas album around the holidays I, i i i'm taking this all with a grain of salt Um, You know, I see every time there's some sort of nugget of rumor mill going out there, I just remind people, don't believe anything until you actually hear it from Kelly or from like Atlantic or from NBC, you know, an actual reputable, credible source, not a random Twitter account. I'm not saying they're wrong, but at the end of the day, no one knows. I think it would be cool and maybe she could do something because it's the 20th anniversary of Idol. But I'm a little weary just because she's on a new label, and when you mix up current label and past label, it gets a little murky, especially when it's in terms of not necessarily like a reissue. Like a reissue is one thing. Like, you know, if they were to, you know, re-release Thankful next year, that's a different story. But when it, in, in terms of Kelly going back into a studio and recutting songs, that brings on a whole new album with RCA, essentially. Um, so... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer to this. No one does. Again, as I've said, whatever you read on the internet, don't automatically believe. I'm not going to speak too much on this because I don't think there's a lot of validity here. Um, you know, the the tweet says, you know, a Kelly's version of her legacy hits is coming. That much is almost certain. First of all, throwing in the word almost gives you the out that you can say, well, it didn't happen. I did say almost certain. Um <laughs> I don't believe this at all. There there are so many people that really want Kelly to do this. And quite honestly, there's no good reason for her to do it. Everybody, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, that the situation that Taylor Swift is in is different than Kelly Clarkson. Taylor Swift was fighting for the ownership of her songs that she wrote herself. Kelly writes on a lot of her music, but she has never outwardly had any sort of complaints about ownership of her songs. She's just not that way. In fact, we've seen her, a la My Life Would Suck Without You, take her name off of writing credits of songs that she has worked and written on. 
So there seems to be no gain for Kelly to re-record and re-release her songs. It, it it doesn't make any sense why she would do that. She is perfectly fine with the past relationship that she had with RCA. She wanted to do something different. She's now with Atlantic. If Now that said, RCA owns those masters. They can do whatever they want with all of the music pre-meaning of life. They can put out, like Pam said, they can put out a 20th anniversary edition of Thankful, put all the unreleased songs on there. They can do that. They might do that. Who knows? But for for Kelly to re-record her stuff, it, it makes no sense. And if I were a betting person, and in some cases I am, I would bet the farm that this does not happen. I don't don't get your hopes up on this. I'm saying it right now. There's there is no worldly reason why she needs to re-record her songs. I think that just because, you know, she's kind of tied with Taylor Swift a little bit because she tweeted at Taylor, told her to re-record her stuff, that people think, oh, Kelly wants to do the same thing. People change record labels all the time. Just because she changed labels doesn't mean that she wants to bring all these catalog songs under the Atlantic label. It's, It's just not the way it works. Plus, there is a lot of red tape behind the scenes that she would have to go to all of those songwriters and discuss with them because they're going to share profits on the re-records because it doesn't matter whether she recorded those songs for RCA or if she recorded them for Atlantic, those people still get paid regardless of what record label those songs get recorded for. So again, what reason is there? It's not like she gains anything other than, you know, like a cash grab for another greatest hits album. I mean, I, unless Atlantic is knocking on her door going, we really want to have our own Kelly Clarkson greatest hits album on our label. Can you re-record your stuff? I don't see her going for that. I don't see her saying yes to that. So I think this is all BS. I wouldn't expect any of what that tweet said. To I happen. just think that, and you know, maybe she would re-record one or two songs, like maybe Idol for you know September fourth. Fine, that's I could see maybe one song happening. I don't see a full album happening. I just think people don't realize, and that's okay. Like again, you and I realize it just because this is our sort of work scope. Um, people just don't understand that people can't just like record a song and release it. There's so many people and so much as you said so much red tape to go through there's songwriters there's people who own the masters who own the publishing they're in it, it there it, there are so many layers it's not just like hey i wrote the song let me record it let me put it out through a label there's way more to it especially because kelly mostly didn't write any of her songs by herself so just want to say that right um we'll see you know who the hell knows because we've been surprised by a lot of stuff in the past but i'm not holding my breath So with that, we need to get going, Pam. So let's introduce our guests. We are so excited to welcome back two Miss Into Podcast alums. We have Rob, our fashion correspondent, and we have Kyle, who was on one of our very first My Kelly Experience episodes. So welcome back, both of you. Hello, guys. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having us. Of course. So the reason why, I mean, aside from me loving both of you, the reason why Kyle and Rob are on today's episode is because I was hanging out with them a few weeks ago. And correct me if I have this story slightly wrong, but one of you, I think it was Kyle, but one of you mentioned that you wanted to do an episode about like the hits and misses from each era. And you both were kind of piggybacking off each other with ideas. And I pretty much stopped you. I'm like, guys, just come on the episode and do the episode with us, <laughs> which I think is great because you both clearly have fantastic opinions and you're a good time. So that's why you're here. Save it for the pod. <laughs> Save it for the pod. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then we also went to the the Cheesecake Factory last night and you were we were also talking about some of our ideas and save it for the pod. <laughs> yes. I think you that was a very accurate retelling from my Thank perspective. You. Okay, great, great. I'm glad yeah. the uh, the memory's still there. <laughs> um so yeah, I this is really both of your brain children, brainchild. I'm not really sure what the word is. Um so I'm gonna let you guys exp- one of you explain the uh, inspiration for the episode. I think um, there are nine eras of her career thus far, album eras, to be clear, album eras, not just like years or whatever. Um, But I think when you're very successful, um, there's obviously reasons for that. And there's also um, opportunities for continued success. I think a lot of Kelly fans over the last couple of years uh, specifically have been like, oh, I really wish she would do more of this. I really wish she would do less of this. Um, and then during each album cycle, I know that there have been um, some single choices that people were like, oh, if she'd only released that one, or if she hadn't released this one, if she'd changed that album cover, um, just like things. And it, and we're all, it's all based on like kind of a mutual love for this artist. It's all coming from a foundation of like, oh, we love you and we want you to succeed. But sometimes we just can't help but be like, oh my God, like what what were you thinking? What was your label <laughs> thinking? What was your stylist thinking? Um but yeah, uh so just to be clear, it comes from a place of love. Um yeah. but sometimes it's fun to kind of sit around and um speculate or is the word ruminate on like what could have been um yeah. daydream. Yeah, the potential success of like, oh, if she'd released that single instead of that one, maybe it would have charted. And yeah, and like, like so, yeah, <laughs> I think it's true. And you know, again, like a lot of us just want the best for her, and we've seen a lot of things that have been, yeah, as you said, like a little questionable. And we're like, who was thinking this? Why did this get greenlit? Um, why is this so far down the track list? That sort of thing. Um, yeah. Just to kind of preface for anyone listening, Jeremy and I have plenty of our own opinions, as you hear every week. And a lot of these things we've already discussed, whether that was like photo shoots or single choices, albums. So like we're going to chime in, um, but a lot of this is going to be Kyle and Rob hot take, and we're going to chime in as well. And we'll also talk about things other than songs and photo shoots. There's, you know, an era encompasses so many things, including tours. other kinds of special projects, fashion, mm-hmm. et cetera. So there's not going to be one formula to how this episode goes. We're going to figure it out on the fly, guys. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds great. great. All right. We should probably start at the very beginning. And I mean, I think we'll yeah. we'll skip the idol era um, just because, you know, that was she was a package deal, so to speak. So mm-hmm. we'll start off with the release of the Thankful album. And for both of you, uh, you know, I'll, I'll sort of because I've seen both of your notes for this entire episode. And so in some cases, we'll kind of just go bullet point and, instead of, you know, going, you know, in great detail about everything. But uh, Kyle, let's start with you and let's talk a little bit about your thoughts on Thankful and that particular album era. I mean, Thankful, I think, was um, to criticize Thankful is to kick a puppy. Um, it's very... <laughs> Like, it's a very, when I look back at that time for her, she's like this innocent kind of angelic, like girl next door, whatever. She just come from Idol. She's like fresh out of the door. I mean, I I think it's a really 
sweet album. I think there's some really great songs on it. Um, I don't look at that album as I look, I really look at Breakaway as Kelly's kind of like, here I am the artist. Um, but there are some really great songs on Thankful. And I think one of the best choices that was made for that album was Miss Independent being the lead single. Um, because A, it's, I mean, she co-wrote it. That's that's important to me. Um, I don't I don't think an artist has to write everything that they released, but I love it when they do. Um, and I love that she got to co-write her first single. Um, it showcases her vocals nicely. It's catchy. It is also like a statement song. It's like, this is who I am. Um, and it's kind of followed her for 20 years. So um, I think that was a great decision. Um, and then I, I really like that they included the Trouble With Love Is on the Love Actually soundtrack. Like those are the two like big positives that stick out for me because that kind of gave her a little bit more cred. And it's like, okay, you're on this. It's like an iconic movie. Uh, and the first thing you hear when it ends is Kelly Clarkson. So it's it's like two kind of like hooks in pop culture. Um, we won't talk about the movie that came out around the same time. Um, yeah, so the best movie, movie ever. The wonderful film. Yeah. Commercial smash. Yes, critically um, acclaimed. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if she would have succeeded as a musician if it weren't for that film. Um, <laughs> Very but, true. I, I think the only like drawback that I would identify for this era is uh, I just wish she had written more. And I kind of understand that coming from Idol, that wasn't really an option. And that the fact she got to write on four songs is a big deal in itself. Um, but it, well, second of her discography, it feels maybe the second least personal. Uh, and I think that's because they were kind of trying to figure out what to do with her and um they kind of just gave her songs. And so I think it's kind of, in that realm, it's kind of like, okay, it's the second least personal, but it's also like, here's where you were at in your life. So it is like, okay, this is like, we got a good era out of this. It did really well. I think it's like 3 million in the States. Like it, it was a nice commercial success for her. Um, and it's remembered well, the chunky blonde highlights and the album cover. And it, I mean, uh, I don't really have a lot of negativity or like bad things to say about it. And I think it's, it's, fun for a listen like every now and then and um there's some great songs i love low i love just miss the train uh there's some really really great tracks on there uh, rob your thoughts so jeremy you and i were around for thankful um because mm -hmm. we are 112 years old um <laughs> so so as the statler and waldorf of the kelly clarkson fan community <laughs> we can kind of God. speak to this <laughs> <laughs> and special about thankful is you know it was a, a series of firsts for all of us like it was her first number one it was her first debut single like there were so many great firsts and i think the missed opportunity for me is that there were things that they could have done that they didn't do like i would have loved a like a wider range solo tour um in maybe smaller venues like when she did the my december tour those venues were kind of a little bit more intimate and that could have been a missed opportunity that is a missed opportunity for me because i feel like we could have gotten an awesome set list like the fairground set list that she did with all those covers would have been great um i feel like a solo tour could have been great um but it you know whatever the independent tour was fine it was fun um my other merely missed opportunity was in that time it was 2003 2004 ish there could have been a sort of like synergy moment with like beautiful disaster or just missed a train and it 
would have been a huge hit if it was the theme song to a CW drama. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally hear that. It would have joined like the echelon of like, I don't want to wait or um, the Gavin DeGraw song. I don't want to be. Yeah. yeah. Or California from the OC. Oh, California. <laughs> I think you're totally right. Um, and I, going off of Just Miss the Train, like I, I feel like that was such a missed opportunity not making that a single. I think it could have done really well like as like a final single. And mm-hmm. um, you're right. Like if like just the, the lyrics to Just Miss the Train, if you listen to them, I can just picture, you know, Brooke Davis on One Tree Hill, like doing some sort of like just you just picture all that like CW drama or whatever. The, it, it just you're right. I would have never thought of that. But especially at that time when that was the channel to be on. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Say say Fox was the channel to be on back in 2003. Um, oh, yeah. It would have happened. We could have done something that. It would have happened. Yeah. Totally the synergy. Happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, and Rob, I'm, I'm definitely with you when it comes to the tour. Um, I did not get to see the fairground tour, but I did see the independent tour a couple of times. And I think that I was bummed out because it was a, a, a co-headline and you know i wasn't a huge clay aiken fan i mean quite honestly i voted for ruben that season um so i mean seeing him was not a a big draw for me but i also understand because kelly had one album of material and so you're gonna get at best a 45 minute set if you do you know nine songs from your record and then you do you know a, a couple of covers that's still not a full show. And, you know, Kelly was, even though she was, you know, one of the biggest names in pop culture at that time, she still didn't have the cachet, like you said, to go out and sell big shows. She needed to do small shows. But then, you know, who are you going to take out on the road with an American Idol winner? You know, you're, I mean, it just, it, I don't see the tour happening, but I wish it did is kind of what I'm trying exactly. to say. Yeah. Um, you know, look, I think maybe that having Clay Aiken along for the ride is what afforded them the ability to play arenas. Don't get me wrong. You know, the couple of arenas that I went to weren't sold out. I mean, the tour did very well, uh, but it wasn't a, you know, a whiz bang sold out, you know, every right. seat taken in every venue kind of a tour. But I, 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 I understand why they didn't take her out by herself, but I kind of wish they had. And maybe it would have been best if it was just, you know, something like you say, where it's it's small theaters, you know, one, two, three thousand uh, capacity places. I would have really loved to see that. Yeah, I just wish the first time I saw her do a show, it wasn't in some place so large because her show wasn't large. It was her in ripped jeans and a guitar doing low. And it was an intimate show in a not so intimate space. And I don't feel like it showcased her in the same in the right way for like her first tour i don't know it could have yeah. been could have been different yeah going um going off of what what kyle said about like it was the appropriate album for her but it still is one of like the least personal i think you're right um but i i i think i think it worked because genre wise it still kind of fit her whole personality it was a good reflection of what she did on Idol. What I mean, if we hadn't seen Idol and we didn't know that she was so um, 
diverse with her different genres that she can sing, then the album may have seemed a little like, what's this girl's vibe? Like, what is her genre? But the fact that we knew that she could do pretty much anything, I think that's why it worked for for Thankful. Um, one thing that I wish they had done, and, you know, I'm kind of skipping ahead a little bit, but back, um, during the breakaway era when we got the Behind Hazel Eyes DVD, the very end, there is a clip of her and Jason performing Beautiful Disaster Live. There's a video of it. Why didn't we get any sort of, like, live DVD of the of something during the Thankful era? That's true. Mm-hmm. This feels like a criticism for every era. <laughs> well, that, it, you are totally true. You are right. Yeah. I have that written down for every single era. Yeah, yeah. honestly, that's just like the big call, call to action for this entire episode is like release something live. But the fact that like there, we know that there was video, like the the uh, two tours that we know that there was like full video, full video was anything during the thankful era and meaning of life. We know that it was all recorded. A lot of it was. So like, why didn't we get anything? Yeah, and, and the the sad thing about it is is that we have sort of passed the era of the live DVD. You know, they don't do that anymore. Now, if an artist is going to release something live, long form, um, it's it's going to go first of all to a, a streaming service, and I don't know if people are necessarily wanting to see the live concerts anymore i mean yes your fan base is going to be fine with it and they're going to watch it but i mean even taylor swift isn't doing um you know just straight concert videos anymore that you know there's there's sort of a there's more to it than that and i don't know if if that kind of a, a formula works for kelly and the the sad part of it is is that because there was a record label breakup in the midst of her career we are less likely to see anything that has yet to be released from the RCA era of her career because they don't really have a real good reason to, to release it or to promote it. Would it sell a little bit? Eh, Yeah, but it's not going to light the world on fire. I mean, they they've got lots of songs in their vault somewhere that Kelly recorded that belong to, you know, the, the various uh, uh, rights holders that could very well be released. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, the only time that something like that is ever going to be released is if, you know, an artist passes or if they straight up call it a career and then you see the record labels come and kind of clean out their warehouse and be like, all right, here's all the unreleased stuff that you never got. Um, I just, unfortunately, I think that the likelihood of seeing any kind of video performances from Kelly's early part of her career are not likely to ever see the light of day. Yeah. 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 And it's sad. And it's unfortunate. Yeah, for sure. All right. So let's move on to, uh, to the breakaway era. And I mean, I know that there are criticisms of every era, but I mean, do they get much better than this, Rob? I mean, I don't have a criticism. All I really think is like, there could have been, like we've been saying, a CD DVD release of any of the 15 tours that she did for this album. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. there was, and they all have great set lists. I don't, I wouldn't know which one to pick. Breakaway tour has, was the set was beautiful. The set list was awesome. Hazel eyes. We got the AOL live thing. Yes. It's the closest yes, we've sir. had. We've ever yeah. gotten to a DVD is the closest we've ever gotten. Addicted was a cool tour. 
Um, and it could have maybe like built some momentum for my December, built some sort of hype. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, either one of those tours would have been a hit. And I also think that it could have like bought them more time with my December, with the whole sort of um, back and forth that they were dealing with. If they had released a live CD or a live DVD, to sort of bridge that gap, it could have been like the sort of like buying more time that she needed to sort of deal with the whole rigmarole of releasing the next album. That's a good point. That's a good point. I feel like that album, like they really nailed it with all the single choices and the marketing. Like there really are no, there are very few flaws with that whole era. I think the biggest thing was just they, they, it was almost an overexposure for her and to the point of exhaustion, AKA Irvine. Um, so that's just like a lesson to like not overwork your artists and not, you know, just have them do everything for two and a half years straight. Um, but that's really it, in my opinion. For, on, the, on the topic of burnout, like that was one of my cons. And when you're looking at her career from a commercial standpoint, I think that that like kind of, she talks about it all the time. It's like, that is the moment where she was like, I don't want to... I don't care about being on top when you're the label. That's not a great thing. Uh, I think when you're a fan, you just want your person to be happy. But when you're the label, it's like, Oh, we've pushed you to the point where like, now you're kind of like, I don't care about the numbers. I just like, and I think her career since breakaway has been like, she's had some really phenomenal successes, but it's not, it's not like she's ever ruled the world commercially really again. So uh, I think that is a lesson that a lot of artists experience, uh, and it tends to happen around the, the second album for a lot of people. But uh, yeah, they, I mean, pushing her to the point of exhaustion. I think she said she had like walking pneumonia twice, like on the same tour. Like there, there was, there were a lot of like conflicts. You can kind of hear it in her voice at times. Like, I think they push her to the point where it's like, okay, now you're going to get somebody who's going to say no to things and somebody who doesn't trust you by default and who's not going to let herself be, uh, so that it's great for her, but from a commercial standpoint for the label, it's like, okay, well, look what, you, look what the consequence of this is. Yeah, and when I think about this era, the one thing that I, I do look at is the amount of touring that they put her on. And it's not uncommon for artists to go out on tours that are really long in in nature, you know, especially like back in the 80s, you know, rock bands. I mean, the first one I can think of is Bon Jovi. I mean, I think they they toured the Slippery When Wet album for 18 months and they went all over the world and they, you know, talk about how exhausted they were at the end of that tour. And, you know, since I'm, you know, sort of the the home of the controversial takes when it comes to various things in Kelly's career, I would say that this album was definitely one tour too many, but I would have actually gotten rid of the Hazel Eyes tour um, because even though we found out that the Addicted tour was simply, I mean, let's be honest, it was a cash grab. You know, Ford came to them and said, here's a bucket of money. Go out and tour and have fun. She actually seemed like she was having a ton of fun on that particular tour. I mean, we we got a new song out of it. Um, we got new venues. You know, she's playing big venues. It was a great summer tour. Um, but I think that it was a more fun tour, even though she was probably at her most exhausted on that particular tour. I think that if we would just have taken away the Hazel Eyes tour and then just put a period of 
rest or, you know, just let her release the singles, go on the various talk shows, perform the current single just to promote the album and then come back later with a second countrywide or, or world tour. That might have been better maybe for her sanity. Um, I just think it became too much. And I think she's I think that might have also taught her a big lesson in that it's not about, you know, the money, you know, just because they're going to offer you a bunch of money. Is it worth sacrificing your sanity, your strength, your peace of mind just to make a bunch more money? Uh, and I think, you know, we obviously have never seen her do another anything like that. You know, I mean, I, the closest we got was with Stronger. You know, I would say that, uh, you know, I would almost argue that the even though, you know, the Honda Civic Tour was sort of more around the greatest hits era. Um, I sort of look at the Honda Civic Tour as, as kind of a stronger part two tour. Um, I mean, that was sort of the closest we got with her doing two consecutive uh, tours pseudo near each other. And even those tours had a decent amount in between each other. Uh, but we'll, we'll never see her do, you know, three tours for another album again. And, and it, you'll be it'll be rare to see any artist do that many tours to promote one single album. And to be honest, like just coming from a fan perspective, like we're going to talk about the casual fan who's like, oh, this artist is in town. I like them. Let me go buy tickets to see them. If you have an artist. All right. When did the breakaway tour start? Like spring-ish, 20, uh, 2005? Yeah. April 2005. Yeah. Okay. April to 2005. And the Addicted Tour ended probably like late summer, early fall of 2006. So that's about a year. We'll say a year and a half, roughly. Um. To, if someone were to come to your city three times during that during that time period, a casual fan, there is an, it's a very slim chance that they're going to want to go see you each time, especially if it's the mm. same album. Like, there's almost no one I would do that for except Kelly, but that's because I'm such a huge fan. So it just it it didn't make a ton of sense. Granted, she didn't necessarily hit the exact same venues and the exact same markets each time, but like they were some of it was pretty close by. So. And it was all in the U.S. Obviously, she did this overseas, and we're not counting that, but we're talking about the U.S. solely, three tours in like 16, 18 months solely in the U.S. That's bananas. That is yeah. crazy. Yeah. That is so yeah. crazy. It's, I mean, Stronger, we got ta- – if we're counting the Honda, the Honda Civic tours as a Stronger tour, yes, we technically got three legs of a tour because the Stronger tour was split up into two legs. But it was – you know, it, in my eyes, it was two legs of a tour. It wasn't two. They were pretty much named the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So it's just, yeah, three tours in that amount of time is excessive. And, you know, unfortunately, I'm sure she didn't have a lot of say. I'm sure her management and label were like, you're doing it. So I'm sure she was, you know, as we learned, she fired her manager not too long after that. So I'm yeah, sure there was great. a lot of conflict there. So who knows if she even wanted to do any of this? And Rob, I agree with you with your notes. Um, You know, this would have been the prime time to put out the live DVD. I mean, I'm actually shocked they didn't because maybe it's because they thought that everybody had seen her live at this point. So why bother putting out something live? But, uh, you know, a a live CD or, or something, some sort of live content, considering how honored she is and how complimented she is on her singing ability the fact that we do not have a proper live album release from this particular artist is pretty perplexing to me. It's wild. Yep. With how many like not so great singers have a live CD for every single tour they've ever done. The fact that she's gone on, what was the number? Like 10, 12, 15 tours. 
and has mm-hmm. never released a, sing- a CD or a professional recording of it is insane. It, and it, that is the biggest missed opportunity that I'm going to keep bringing back for each single era. Uh, Kyle, any other thoughts from you on the breakaway era? Um, it was a, it was the era I think that kind of set her for life and going forward. She, I mean, it's not like she's riding the coattails of the breakaway era, but I think that is going to be like always kind of looked back on as her most definitive musical time. So uh, I think they ultimately did a nice job kind of cementing uh, the beginning of her legacy there. But um, yeah, the, all the cons that we just kind of went over, it's like, yeah, I agree with all of them. All right, so we go from the highest of highs to the My December era. <laughs> oh. uh, yikes. yikes. Which I know you guys have done a full episode on the album itself. We've done two episodes. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot to I feel unpack. like we could do like a whole thing on My December, but it's like, where do you start? Where do you finish? Uh, Kyle, go ahead. I was going to say, do you mind if I start? Go Please ahead. Go. Please. Please go ahead. There are so many things about this album that I love. It's my, so when people ask me what my favorite album by her is, it's hard to answer, but this is, there's three that kind of, and we'll get to them, but this is one of them because it's like, I love that she wrote slash co-wrote the whole thing. Uh, That's amazing. Uh, Especially that she was so like defiant in doing so. And that it was like, no, I'm going to do this. Like, even though you've offered me $10 million to like, sprinkle in some radio friendly like songs and they're like I'm saying no to that that's I think that's very admirable uh I I think that they made a smart choice with the visuals I think it tells a story um I think Never Again was like an excellent bridge from the breakaway era into this new darker sound of hers I like that it pushes the boundaries of pop so that it's like I mean since you've been gone is definitely a pop song, but it's like got a rock edge to it. I, I feel like never again is like a rock song uh, with a, a bit of pop sprinkled in. For sure. Uh, and I think there's a lot of like, you know, dude bros who'd be like, oh, Kelly Clarkson isn't rock. But it's like, you look at the song itself, it's rock. It's a rock song. Uh, and I think that's cool that we got to see that side of her. Uh, so there's a lot to love about the era. I think she made the best of a really rough situation. Uh, the best thing about this whole thing is I like, she, I don't know what I'm doing with my hand, but she truly, uh, like this is the era I think where she defined herself as like the strong woman that we all like love today. Like everyone's kind of like, Oh, Kelly's so tough. She's so strong. She stands her ground. She sticks to her gun. This is where it happened. Uh, and ever since then it's kind of been the case with her that that's when her image uh, I, I know people kind of look at her and go like, oh, the queen of the breakup anthem. But it's like, no, I look at her and I'm like, this is somebody who knows who she is uh, and sticks to it at any cost and uh, and and sticks to her guns and stands to her ground. And I think this is where it kind of started. And I think there's a lot of, as a young boy, I know there's there was probably a lot of young girls, especially that looked at her behavior during this time and was like shown a model of, how to be strong, if that makes sense. Because uh, just like looking at how she handled herself, I kind of took notice of that. And I was like, oh, that's how you like stand up to somebody in power that has power over you. And I have definitely used it like in working situations and life. And uh, yeah, so that's what I admire. I think the, the for me, the, the cons are uh, besides the obvious of the label completely sabotaging everything to do with the era. Um, 
the production of the album is a little bit like dated. And I know you guys have talked about that, so I don't, I don't need to get too into it. Uh, I think Never Again has like a classic timeless sound. I think Sober is well, well produced. The rest of it sounds a little bit, I don't want to say tinny, but it's like, it's very, it's definitely like, okay, this, this is an album of its time. Uh, and then besides Never Again, the single choices were uh, a little rough. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like Sober is not ever a song that they should have been like, yeah, this will do well on radio. Uh, I think How I Feel would have been like a more appropriate choice. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, follow up. But uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately, this album was not about radio success. And I think Kelly's made that very clear and she didn't need it to be. So it's not like I'm like, oh man, if they'd only done this, like the album would have sold 10 million copies. It's just kind of like, I wish there was more of a public recollection of that era. Cause sometimes I talk about it and people are like, what? They don't remember like my December. They'll hear never again. And they'll be like, oh, this sounds familiar. But it's like, there's no like hook to that era that people are like, oh yes, I remember this. Maybe the tour with Reba, but yeah, those are my thoughts. To piggyback on your thoughts there, Kyle, is that uh, the Breakaway album is what made Kelly a pop star. The My December album is what made her an artist. And mm -hmm. she really kind yeah. of flexed her inner abilities to be, you know, the the singer and the artist that she always wanted to be. I mean, I want to say that this was sort of her passion project. Um, for her career, you know, she, and I want to say she, I don't want to say that she got it out of her system, but she needed to do this album. She needed to do an album that she wrote everything and she had a heavy hand in creation. And regardless of the success of it, I think as time goes on, she's going to be a little bit vindicated because it is such a loved album by fans, even with all of its flaws. And I don't disagree with, uh, with, with much that you said, Kyle. So I'm, yeah. I'm with you. And especially when it comes to the production value and, you know, we, we love the people that, you know, are behind the production of the album, but I mean, it is, Absolutely. it's, it's not, it is not up to the same caliber from the album from which it followed. And so there are some definite uh, sort of, blemishes on this particular album but as her career goes on more and more fans continue to stand up for and revere this album and i think that that's sort of a win for her even though it wasn't a commercially successful album look at the same time people forget that you know everyone says oh you know my december was her big flop you know that was you know the least successful album and in some cases yeah it didn't have a bunch of radio singles but also all I ever wanted sold less than my December. It's a fact, you know, if you look at, if you look at her discography on Wikipedia, the reliable source that is Wikipedia, yes. uh, this album is either platinum eligible or certified platinum. Like I, it is platinum. I think people, I think people look at this album as a follow-up to breakaway rather than a standalone album in itself, because as a standalone by all measures, it was very successful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, considering what it followed up. It's like if K Katy Perry followed Teenage Dream with Witness and it's like, ooh, what happened? Like this is kind of if that middleman of Prism hadn't been, I'm going into nerd territory, but like- No, I get it. This, I think, I think people look at it as like, oh, this is what's following this gigantic smash album. Uh, and like we got kind of a, a flop there. She's had bigger commercial uh, disappointments but like it's not been it like looking back on it it's a successful album a million people bought that album in the united states yeah yeah for sure yeah. 
And also, you know, you think about it when it comes to radio singles, I think that she probably didn't care too much about the radio success of the album. Because if you go back and look at it, let's say, let's put Breakaway and My December together. You've got arguably six hit singles on those two albums combined. It would be tough for you to go and find an artist who had six hit singles in two albums back to back. I mean, yes, Breakaway does the heavy lifting here. But it would be hard for you to find, you know, a, a very successful six singles in a row from any artist. You know, you're going to yeah. have singles that bomb. And, and yes, and in this case, you know, uh, Never Again is sort of the outlier. But still, she was still in the middle of a wave on there and she still was in the middle of a, a lot of success. So I forgive yeah. this album for not having a lot of great radio singles. I think that there were singles that should have been chosen that weren't. Um, and that's, you know, it's easy to go back and see that now because, you know, we have so much such hindsight on this album. But um, I still think that, you know, this album is going to continue to live very fondly in the hearts of a lot of her fans, especially yeah. a lot of the older fans uh, who were there and, and sort of lived through that album era. Uh, Rob, thoughts from you um, on this particular era? Yeah, you know, I think Sober in general taught us such a big lesson as a fan community in general and it taught us that the fan favorite doesn't always have to be the single like yep. there was such a big outcry from everybody that sober so good sober so good please release it and then it was, sort of was released but not really and it did what sober would do as a single because it's not a single you know and then i think into the future and there were fan favorites that didn't have that same outcry because we sort of learned our lesson, you know, like you love me, nostalgic, all those songs that became like everybody's favorite from each album. People didn't galvanize in the same way they did with sober to have that be released because I think we sort of learned that not everything has to be released to be your favorite. That's very a very true. good point. It's a very good point. Agreed. Um, yeah. Like sometimes the best, the quote unquote best songs from an album are not always necessarily going to be either a um the most popular for the general masses and be necessarily going to be the best for a pop radio um like you know i think jeremy and and i have spoken about like he thought like addicted could have been a good single i don't think it would have been but like there's no right or wrong there but i think a lot of us can argue that addicted is definitely a fan favorite so it's just yeah. there is there is no right or wrong. And again, we always have to put on the lens of when the album was out and what else was popular at that time. If I picked my favorites from each album, she would have no career. <laughs> <laughs> she would be selling nothing, releasing nothing. It would be What's Up Lonely meets Where Is Your Heart meets God Knows What. Like it's her poor career if I was in charge. Anyway. <laughs> I love it. Also kind of have to take into consideration like where where is she in her career and we'll get to this with some of the later albums but it's like when you're 22 and on top of the world you can get away with like if you're taylor swift you can get away like if taylor swift had written sober and released it it would sell a million copies on its first day but like you can't it it kind of um it fluctuates like you you can't always expect and this is where i get frustrated with a lot of like people on the internet thinking like oh if she just released that this album would have sold 10 million copies it's like no like 
when you're 23 maybe but like when you're 35 and you're on your seventh record and like it's like you you kind of have to take into account where, where people are in their career and what's viable because at a certain point like you have to accept even though you're still on you're still successful radio kind of drops you after a certain age it, it just kind of it happens and and you can't expect somebody to continuously smash the charts yeah i have a hot take and i never thought of it until right now you know, I'm wondering, hypothetically, if the roles were reversed and Because of You was on My December and Sober was on Breakaway, who knows how they would have done? I think you've just come like up that. with a, a whole new genre of episodes that we can do. We, we can do like <laughs> like how the Marvel shows have the what if, yeah. what if, this, this, this. Because I'm saying, like, honestly, if Sober had come out instead of Because of You, it could have been a smash hit. You don't know. You have no idea. We, we will never know. It could have been a really massive hit. Not maybe the radio edit, but who knows? And then because of you, if that came out a couple years later, who knows if they even would have put it out on you know as a, as a single? We don't know. But it's all these hypotheticals about what else, as Kyle was saying, what else was out at the time, what point in the artist's career it was happening. So there are so many hypotheticals that you're right. It's not like you can just release any song and be like, oh, it's going to be do great. No, there's so yeah. many factors to it. Um, I'm writing that down, by the way, Pam. We're gonna we're okay. gonna do some what if episodes Ooh, in an alternate okay. universe. Oh no, I want to be part of that. Yes, the alternate <laughs> the alternate universe. Since since everything is about the multiverse now, we're gonna do a Kelly Clarkson multiverse. Ooh, I had, now, a what happens? I had a multiverse take for my December, and I'm looking at it right now in my notes. In an alternate universe, I want you to picture it. In an alternate universe, she could have taken the opportunity of people saying how much she's changed, how much she's like edgy and this and that, and done like an MTV Unplugged much earlier in her career with the Thankful album, the Breakaway album, and the My December album as her sort of like longer set list. And that could have, and like maybe, reinvigorated the masses to be like, wow, she's still that vocalist that we fell in love with. She's still that girl who writes these great songs. And to hear those My December songs a little bit stripped down might have sort of galvanize the masses back in her favor favor a little bit but do we think that unplugged was really a thing back in 2007 i'm not sure if a lot of people would have paid attention to it it was they were the sort of homers would yeah, have right we would have no, 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 but 2007 the, i'm not sure but i mean they tried to bring it back later on and then she did like that four track something on mc remember she did like i know you won't and a few one, yeah from, that was in 2011 i think it was yeah. like a vh1 slash mtv unplug kind of thing i don't know though i think i mean well this I is an alternate right. universe pam it is an alternate <laughs> universe. yeah i'm just going with 2007 it wasn't really a thing so i'm not sure but it would have been really awesome here though that whole album one broken down would have been great. i have one comment but it's not off of this so if anyone has, any, has anything else to add about the multiverse go for it but otherwise <laughs> i want to switch topics within this this album era um my thing the one thing that they got right was this tour chef's kiss tour i think they did an amazing job it was my first time seeing her so maybe i'm a little biased but i think they did the right kinds of venues they did the theaters the smaller smaller ven uh, venues but they were still pretty big and what i loved is that she played most of the album so it was really a fan favorite tour. It was a it was a tour for the fans, not as a cash grab. 
Yeah, they they got the tour right when they fixed the first tour because I mean, yeah, well, that's true. All right, yeah, you're right. There, were, there was supposed yeah. to be a first tour that you know crashed and burned before it could even get off the ground. So. And that was arenas. That was at least in, at yes. least in Jersey. It yeah. was. I mean, yes. I think all, all over it was. And, and it's hard to say if the My December record had actually taken off and had been a you know a, a blockbuster if they would have been able to still do the arena tour. Um, because you know, the, the other thing that sort of, we haven't touched on in this portion of her career is this is when music really starts to start making a shift, um, the record industry as a whole, because you have around the era of breakaway, you've got the explosion of file sharing and album leaks. Um, you've got the, I believe it was the iPod that was introduced. Um, it was either the iPhone or the iPod. One of the, I don't think it was the iPhone. Uh, the iPhone came out in 2007. Right. And it came out like within a couple of weeks of the, my December album. I mean, it was, yeah. it was introduced or, you know, unveiled, um, very much a, a single, it's like singles, like, cause you know, iTunes was, was a thing. So people yeah. were just buying singles, not full albums. So you have this, this whole paradigm shift with the music industry as a whole that is changing how albums are done. I think if you release breakaway and I think I'm getting back into like multiverse stuff, but like if you release breakaway in now, I don't know if it's as popular as an album as it was. And I'm not, we talked about this last week. We, yeah, we, we, we sort of did. Yeah. But and, and I'm reiterating that fact because it's just it was it was the perfect album for the time. And she got in just under the wire before, you know, albums were seen as a collection, like a, a whole project, because, you know, it's just not the way that it's done anymore. And, you know, it's it's so much more of a singles type of a of a world. And I just don't think that that Breakaway would have done the same thing. But, you know, going back to my December. I mean, yes, the, my December tour was a, was a really, really great tour. I loved that tour. Um, once they got it right, because arenas just wasn't it. Anybody else have anything else on uh, my December? Do a two worlds, two voices special on CMT. Interesting. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't it, I mean, isn't that technically crossroads? No, not the whole tour. Oh. All those songs that they did do a whole two hour yeah, special. Oh, so you're, you're so, okay. So you're saying do a concert special of mm-hmm. the tour on CMT. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't that have been great? I love that tour. I oh, love yeah. Reba. What a fantastic idea. Yeah. I love that tour. You know, I became familiar with Reba's music during that time. I didn't really know who she was and great. I love that whole relationship and I love that tour. It was so much fun. I, and you know, Crossroads was such a success, hence why I think they even did the tour in the first place. So you're on to something, Rob. Think of all the gifts we would have made of Reba doing her dances. When <laughs> yes. she did like the monkey during Never Again. Like there are so many like amazing mom dances that we would have been able to use on Twitter. All right, let's move on to uh, All I Ever Wanted. Kyle, you seem excited to talk about this era. I have a lot of thoughts about the All I Ever Wanted era, and I'd like to start by saying I love her. Um, This is a great, in 2022, this is a fantastic album to run to. Uh, There's a lot of great songs on it. I don't dislike anything. I don't dislike the album. I really like the album. It's the first time I saw her live. it's, it's a cool sound for her. There, I have a lot of positive things to say about it, but of her album eras, it is bottom two for me. Uh, 
So I'll start with the positives because the list is shorter. Uh, I'm, I was really, I, I'm glad that they found a way. I'm not somebody who always cares about commercial success, but I do like to see somebody that I like succeed. And I think my life would suck without you, even though the artist herself has said it's essentially like a kind of a since you've been gone vain song 2.0 kind of thing. Uh, I like that it put it back, put her back on top again after kind of the commercial state of my December. I like that she got like a hit right out of the gate. It reminded people that she was kind of this pop force. Uh, I like that it gave her a billboard record, hot 100 record that still hasn't been broken. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, and I think it's a fun song. It's a different kind of song for her. She'd just come from two eras of just like kind of heartbreak and sadness. And this is a very different, it's not like all sunshine and roses, but it's very like cute and cheeky and it's a love song. So I like that. Uh, I don't like the producer that she worked with on it, but I, I, it does give me a little bit of satisfaction to know that she essentially rewrote the whole song. Uh, I wish she had taken credit for it, but I see why she didn't. Uh, again, I think that's a very admirable thing to do and a, kind of a way to just be like, I don't care about the money. Like I'm doing what's right here. Uh, so I like, even though that is not remembered, I think by a lot of fans is one of their favorites. I like what that song did for her in that moment. So that's a positive. Uh, I think a lot of people across her career, but also across this album, forget that she wrote a lot of the songs on this album. I like I liked her, uh, even though we got Wash, Rinse, Repeat as a result of it. I liked her partnership with Ryan Tedder, who is one of my favorite songwriters in the industry. Uh, I mean, they co-wrote, what, like six songs together? I don't remember how many of them actually ended up on the album, but uh, all of the songs they wrote together, I love. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, and then some of the others that she didn't co-write with them, like, I mean, I love Cry. Uh, I think that's a career high so for her. Uh, so yeah, that's that's a cool thing. And I, and I also like, I kind of touched on it earlier, but after two album cycles of like kind of a darker aesthetic and like a darker sound and like it's kind of like two breakup albums back to back I like that this is more of like a youthful like fun like just girly things <laughs> album it, it was I think it's uh it's a fun album and like even now in, in 2022 I love like getting on the treadmill and blasting it like it's it's got some great it, it's a great sound and I, and I, I like that a lot about it the, the issue that I have with this album is more generated around the era and that moment in her career specifically. Uh, so the first like thing that I kind of listed as like maybe a negative is, uh, and Pam and I have talked about this, there's a photo in the booklet uh, where her hair is covering half of her face. That should have been the album yes. cover. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I'll tie that into, I think the album was at one point supposed to be called Masquerade. I think it should have been called Masquerade. And the reason why is even though the label probably wouldn't have jumped onto this like reasoning for the title, this, al this album is essentially a compromise album. They're saying, okay, like we're coming out of like a, a phase of your career where you weren't doing well successfully. Uh, there was probably like a lot of like push to like get a hit album, a hit song or whatever. And I think as a result of it, the the whole feel of the album feels the least personal to me of all of her different album cycles. And I think calling it Masquerade combined with having that cover of like half her face covered, like not to get too Phantom of the Opera, but it's like you're hiding, 
it's not like you're hiding, but it's like you are there. This is a bit of a front. It's like, okay, this is kind of the compromise album, calling it masquerade, having that cover gives that a little bit more integrity. And it's like, this is kind of where I'm at in my career. And I think all I ever wanted is a, it's a great song. I love the song. I don't dislike the title. I just think like, I like it when an album title, like actually kind of relates to what you're yeah, putting out. My December is like my end, essentially like the end of the year. Like the, the like the, I, I like that. And I think for this, it would have been cool to see that title. Uh, moving on from that, like I, the other issues that I had with it, like I don't feel like there was a cohesive look through the era. I think they came out with this album cover where she's, they photoshopped the hell out of her. Uh, she looks like a superhero. It's pretty cool. But like, then you kind of go through this really interesting time with graphic tees no, uh, no. that I would, no. yeah. Like if I could have like told her to burn them, I would have, uh, and it, so I just feel like there was, it was a very choppy kind of like, I wasn't really getting a consistent vibe through that era. Uh, there was a lot of different hair colors. I think she went through like a blazer phase, like within the era. Uh, yeah. Uh, I also would have picked uh, Long Shot as the follow-up to My Life Would Suck as opposed to I Do Not Hook Up. Uh, I think I Do Not Hook Up, A, sounds very similar to My Life Would Suck. I also think the message of that song, while I have no issue with it, is like, from mainstream America in 2009, where it's like party culture, like that's a very anti the moment song. And I think it kind of stops the album momentum in its tracks. Uh, Cause it's kind of like, there are people who will be able to relate to this, but there's also a lot of people that if you want like a hit and you want to like relate to the masses, like this is not what people want to hear over the summer. Yeah. Like, they, like people want to hook up. So it's like, I don't know. I, I wouldn't have picked that song for the moment. I also would have picked cry instead of already gone. I think that's uh that's not an unpopular opinion among like the, the fandom, especially given what happened with Halo. Uh, and then this is like not her fault and it frustrates me to no end, but I think this also didn't help her. This was kind of the album cycle where people started kind of fixating on her weight and her appearance more. Uh, and that frustrates me. That has nothing to do with her. And it's, it's not like a, a flaw. I just, when I look back at that, I'm like, this is where it started. And, and anything she did, like people just always had something to say about the way she looked. And I just think that that was so crappy and I don't think it helped her any. That, that's, those are, that's my list. But uh, when I think about the, the album era, that's what I remember, apart from seeing her live for the first time, which she was incredible. Uh, but it, it was a bit, of a, a bit of a messy era, her second most messy, in my opinion. Yeah, I think aesthetically, I, I have the most issues with this this era as i've mentioned before i despise this photo the the album photo shoot i just, just it's so not her and i just think it just it doesn't even look like her and you know as far as the like her look you know throughout the tours like she went through blonde she had the red hair like she went through everything which i mean like you know if she wanted to change it up that's fine but also just like the fashion was so off those graphic tees the forever 21 t-shirts it's just totally wear that on, on your own time but when you're doing promo and on tour and i'm like mm, you may not want to wear you know your shirt from forever 21 every other night um yeah aesthetically did not enjoy this album at all sonically it's one of my absolute favorites but yeah i think the single choices i think they were okay but i didn't think they were great like i do not hook up same thing like you know i have nothing against the message i think you know 
people can do whatever they want as long as they're not they're not hurting anyone. But like, not sure if it was like the best commercial single, especially like if you're trying to appeal to like the, you know, late teens, early twenties audience. Like that's just not going to be like the right kind of song to put out. Um, and yeah, already gone did a lot better than I thought it would. You know especially with the whole halo controversy i really think that like long shot or if i can't have you or cry should have been the follow-ups and i think they really really messed up there but overall i mean the album did a lot better than i thought it would and i'm happy with the success that the era brought you know it was a very successful tour um and you know people know that album they they do and um but you're right it was a lot of compromise on her part so it's like I'm wondering how much of it she actually enjoyed. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Look, at the end of the day, it's a great pop album. Yeah. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's what it is. I yeah. think that's what it was meant to be. And I, Kyle, you know, going back to, you know, at the beginning when you were first describing it, I mean, I think you nailed it. I and mean, that's probably, you know, the whole idea of, of naming the album Masquerade and, you know, the, the look of it. I mean, I think that all is, that makes perfect sense. And it's probably the best explanation I've heard or the best argument that I've heard for calling the album what it is because let's let's all be honest about what this album actually was um so yeah so i commend you for that because that's that's the best way i've heard somebody explain it thank you oh my god (laughs) (laughs) uh rob thoughts from you on this era so all i ever want first of all i agree with all of you the vibe was completely off there was no sort of direction in her look in the visuals of the album in her style on tour And I wonder how much of it is her kind of going through the motions and how much she particularly feels for that album in general and how much she doesn't. I don't know. Um, You know, that would be guessing at this point. What's great about that album is you could name like any any song and it could have been a single for the most part. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. if I can't have you cry, don't let me stop you. Um, Long shot. You know, there are so many missed opportunities in that sense of songs that could have been part of that era that she sang on tour even because she knew how much we love them except for long shot um that I, I don't know i feel like they could have any of them could have like been put into the mix as singles and been a hit all right do we want to move on to stronger then yes it's a perfect album i have no notes you have no notes yeah. wow wow i literally i have i no notes. Is this controversial? Like, I really like the album, but, like, I feel like everyone loves it more than I do. I'm like... I love I, it. I know Kyle loves it also, so I feel like I know I'm, like, <laughs> sipping into territory I shouldn't be saying, but, like, I don't know. The only thing that I have is that... It's okay to be wrong. No I'm song wrong, could follow. <laughs> I'm not wrong, though. I'm never not- wrong. <laughs> I just think that no song could follow Stronger and be a hit. Like, yeah. Stronger is... Yeah so so elevated such a such a major moment for her that like any song is gonna not do great not do which which is surprising because like if you think all right stronger and since you've been gone two of her biggest singles and they're both the Mm -hmm. same kind of energy breakaway that album like even though since you've been gone was the second single um well Yes, it was. And, but like, you still had a bunch of songs afterwards that did so incredibly well. So it's crazy to think that like Breakaway could have had that momentum, that whole album after Since You've Been Gone. But Stronger, that song was just. Stronger didn't. But is there any song that can follow up Stronger? I don't, there wasn't on that album. This is where we get into the territory. She was very vocal 
at the beginning of the era. I'm turning 30. I'm turning 30. I'm so excited to turn 30. I'm happy for you, Kelly. I'm looking forward to my 30s. But also 30 is like notoriously the age where female artists start to get dropped from radio, frankly. Um, and I think, uh, we'll, we'll, I mean, with the greatest hits kind of era, I don't know if we want to tie Stronger and Greatest Hits together, but uh, I, first of all, the Stronger album is, I think, my favorite album. It feels the most like Kelly. It's a perfect mix of like, uh, she wrote enough of it. it the songs she didn't write feel like she could have written them. Uh, there was a consistent, like, uh, there's a consistent look. The tour was incredible. It, her voice, I think, was the strongest it had been at that point of her career. So, like, I have nothing but positive things to say about the Stronger Era. I love this album. I love this time in her career. Uh, so, all good things. I think this is the the, the Stronger follow-up thing. It's kind of, again, I'm going to compare it to Katy Perry uh, with Dark Horse, who... Uh, that song was just so, I think with Breakaway, people viewed the singles as here's a puzzle piece in this larger collection. And as we've moved into kind of single culture, for lack of a better term, also combined with the fact that she turned 30, you're, you have fewer and fewer moments where you can kind of grab the general population, especially in America, I feel. Uh, so this song took off and exploded, but you don't have people looking to hear like, what's next? What's next from this person? It's kind of like, oh, I love that stronger song. Like I run to it while I drink my wine. Uh, and I, I don't know that like, I personally probably, if I were in, in the shoes of whoever makes the decisions, I probably would have released I Forgive You as the follow-up just because, uh, and I would have released it two months sooner. Rob's face uh, right now. I know. <laughs> right. I Rob's face is everything. Confused. <laughs> the only reason I'm saying this is because on this album, it is like the only song that feels light and summery. And I think Dark Side is a phenomenal song. It was the perfect tour opener. I love that song, but I think it was a little bit heavy for the summer. And that's yeah. it. That is my reasoning for, for saying, I feel like I Forgive You is the only song that makes sense as a summer single. It's, it's repetitive enough. It's catchy enough. Uh, it's, the chorus is essentially one note over and over again. Like it, it, people remember it. Uh, I'm not saying it's her best piece of work, but I think as a, as a commercial follow-up, it would have done okay or well. Uh, and then that kind of goes into my grievance about like how the era felt cut short and let me down should have been the fall single, but uh, I, I don't want to like continue to dominate here and talk over everybody. Uh, Rob, your thoughts other than, now, I, want, I want to give you a chance to to retort after Kyle's comments because your your face was was uh, priceless. I just don't like I Forgive You. <laughs> Everybody loves that song. And to me, I it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't seem like a genuine song for her. It 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 seems out of pocket for that album. It it doesn't fit for me. Um and it doesn't fit for me in the sense of like if you put all of Kelly's singles together and you put I Forgive You. Yeah, it's it, it's a it's a one note sort of eh, doesn't go anywhere doesn't do anything sort of thing but having said that sometimes people like that you know and it could have been a hit the, that's my, part of the appeal of pop music is yeah. just making a, a memorable song exactly. i mean if you can if you can remember a chorus of a song then you've probably got something that's memorable and a hit and i mean i forgive you i mean i love the song as well it's not the strongest song on the album but it definitely checks a lot of boxes yeah yeah, 
And easier My to learn it. the words because there's five lyrics to that whole song. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, the this is my like where you guys were talking about all I ever wanted and how sort of the singles were bungled. And we'll definitely go more into depth with when we do our breakdown, because this is the next album we're going to break down in a couple weeks um, is this is the album where I'm almost with you, Rob, almost that I have no notes, except for the fact that I think they bungled all the singles on this album. I agree with Kyle that dark side. I don't, th- I mean, yes, you can't follow up stronger just like you. I mean, they hit lightning in a bottle on the breakaway album, having a lot of songs that you could follow since you've been gone with, but um, dark side was not it. Like that was not the follow-up. It should not have been the follow-up to stronger. Um, I would have probably gone for let me down. Um, I can, I can vouch for, I forgive you. Uh, you love me. I would throw that in there as well. I might even say alone, um, but, um, it, it needed to have like equally up tempo. Cause like you said, summer songs, like you need to have up tempo stuff for the summer. And there were just a lot of songs that were ignored on this album. And I, I cannot figure out why, because this is Kelly's probably most complete album next to my, or next to a breakaway. I mean, it's those two albums are the sort of the, the tent poles of her career. And I'm, baffled how they messed up putting out the singles because i truly believe now i now if you were to put the two next to each other this and breakaway i don't know if the singles would have had the same success because again you're talking about 2004 2005 versus 2011 again music is in a different period now and music is totally consumed differently but i think that if there was another album of kelly's that had the best chance to go three four five singles deep it was this album and I think the label messed it up. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I and I don't want to get too into it because I want to save some stuff for our album breakdown. You know, like, as we kind of all said, Let Me Down. I, I I forgive you. I think it's a fun song. I don't think it's by any means like a quality substance song, but it's catchy. It's fun. I like listening to it. I like singing along to it. Um, I still think You Can't Win could have been a decent single just because lyrically it pertain- everyone can relate to it right. and it's super catchy and has a good hook. Now, something else I want to bring up is this was around the time, I mean, country music fans, correct me if I'm wrong, I easily could be wrong, but at least in this part of the country where I live, country music was starting to become a a bit more commercial and a bit more household sort of thing. I'm curious if they had took Don't You Want to Stay to pop radio, if that could have done well, because it was such a smash hit on country radio. I think it did. I mean, look, it did go to pop radio. I not, mean, it was not top forty. Yeah, well, I think depending on the part of the country you were in, it may not have been not like here. in New York, but I know it got played on pop radio. I mean, granted, at the time I was working for a hot AC station, which is you know sort of diet top forty, and yeah. it was. I mean, it was a smash on on hot AC radio. I mean, it was a huge single on hot AC radio, and while it may not have necessarily been like a number one hit on top 40 radio. It still cracked it a little bit. Um, it's definitely, you know, probably up there and maybe, I mean, that maybe not top 10, but maybe top 20 of Kelly's, you know, best performing songs. Yeah. I mean, at least here. And then I guess an- another thing for people who aren't familiar with how radio works, like you have to pay to have like a radio campaign. You don't, it's not, it's not just be like, 
oh yeah, I'm like my song's just going to get played on the radio. I mean, Jeremy, you can attest to this. A lot of times there are stations that will just want to play stuff, but there's also like labels have to pay. It's a campaign. I do want to say because we like numbers and, and chart positions here on the podcast. Uh, it did peak at number 31 on the Hot 100. Uh, it was number one on the Hot Country. It was number three on Adult Contemporary. It was number nine on Adult Top 40. So it was a, I would say it was a Top 40 hit with a lowercase h. Did you just have those numbers memorized? You just knew that? No, I looked them up. <laughs> no, I looked them up. But that's the thing. They 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 definitely didn't hit every market. And I think that also could have been a little bit more of an opportunity to hit some of the bigger markets. Again, a lot of it just could have been, you know, Jason Aldean didn't have a presence in a lot of like, you know, a lot of these b- bigger cities. I-, I don't know the answer to it and I probably never will, but I think that really could have been, if they really put in all their dollars towards putting that as like a third single, like a full single, I don't know. It could have done really well. I don't know. Sometimes you get these pop country crossovers that do really well. I mean, the one I can think of that is a really bizarre example is the Nelly Tim McGraw thing that they did in 2004 over and over. It was yeah. a smash hit. And like, who would have ever thought Tim McGraw Nelly would have smashed the charts on top 40 radio? But I don't know. It could have done <laughs> really well. You also have to remember that the Jason Aldean, I mean, that was Jason's song. That was Jason Aldean featuring Kelly Clarkson. But she's on it a lot, though. She is I, really. I, I get that. I I get that. But that song is technically that belongs to Jason Aldean. Yes, it's a duet, but it was on his record. It was on and Stronger, though. It was on the Stronger I, Deluxe. I, I, I get that, track. but the yeah, it was a bonus, and it is credited Jason Aldean featuring Kelly Clarkson. So that is. We will all think of it as one of Kelly's songs, but that is a Jason Aldean song. So, I I mean, that's, I think that's where the semantics get into not making it the argument for not making it a single technically from Stronger. I guess. I don't know. I believe that on the Stronger Deluxe packaging from Target that I purchased (laughs) in the year of our Lord 2012, that it says, Don't you want to stay with Jason Aldean? So, on his album, it's featuring Kelly Clarkson, but with hers, it's with Jason and I, I prefer to remember it that way. <laughs> I think at the time, I don't know if this is still true, uh, but I know it was also the the biggest selling country collaboration of all time, at least for a while. Yeah. I don't know if that's still true, but I remember hearing that stat and I was like, wow, like our girl did that. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, it, it's one of the best country collaboration uh, like duos. I mean, nominated for a Grammy, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, look, it was massively successful. I don't discount that at all. And again, I think we're yeah. we're arguing semantics here about yeah. you know whose song yeah. it belonged to and whatnot. I mean, it was nice to have it on the stronger album to sort of mark that era, that point in time for her. That's a, I mean, that song is going to be on you know the next greatest hits album too. So, um, you know, it, I mean, it's it's definitely part of her history. But I, I the the reason I don't like that as part of stronger is because I don't think it flows thematically with stronger. It is it is not a Kelly Clarkson song. It is a Kelly Clarkson and Jason Aldean song. So that's that's why I I don't care for it as part of the era itself. It's it's there because it's part of the album. Um, but I, I think that it has to st- it has to stand on its own, or it has to stand as part of Jason Aldean's track listings because it's 
his song. I'm going to hold my comments for our album breakdown <laughs> so we can keep moving on with this episode. Uh, tours, okay. the tours. The tours were solid, I will say. Tours yeah, were great. Amazing. The bangs. Tours were great. The bangs were great. I think the tours were some of my favorite <laughs> ever. She mm-hmm. she sounded great. She looked great. She did awesome covers. We got the introduction of the fan request. Um, it was just, you know, she had solid tour support with like The Fray, Matt Nathanson, Carolina Liar, Maroon 5. Like you got like solid that's like your your light FM spectrum, but like people love it and it sells. And like those tours just did so well. All right, Pam. So I think we should stop there for where we are thus far. We've covered a lot of ground already. A lot of information out there. A lot of hot takes. This is probably the hottest of the hot takes episodes that we've had thus far. So I think we need to stop, take a break for a couple of days, come back with a part two. What do you think? I think you're right. Um, but with part one so far, let us know what your thoughts are. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Miss Into Podcast, and you can listen to all of our previous episodes at MissIntoPodcast.com. And uh, we'll see you guys in a few days for part two of our hits and misses. See you soon. You've been listening to Miss Into Podcast, the Kelly Clarkson fan podcast. Miss Into Podcast was written and produced by Jeremy and Pam. Remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you'll be the first to know when a new podcast is posted. Continue the conversation by following the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Miss Indie Podcast. Send us your questions and comments to Miss Indie Podcast at gmail.com.